guys, is it already episode 50? <laughs> what a crazy, incredible year. Thank you again for tuning in and welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. Guys, has it been a hot minute since I have done an episode? <laughs> you know, I wondered what to call or what to make this episode about. And it only really clicked to me this afternoon when I was going for a walk. And I listened to one of my favorite episodes from Brooke Castillo. And her recent one actually reminded me of a technique that I took on board and hadn't practiced again. So I came back home and I put it on a big fat piece of paper and I'm going to make sure I integrate this into my life because I know that it's going to change everything for me. It is called Dread Sprints. Now I've been away for (laughs) almost a month and guys, if you listened to my last episode with uh, Gabriel, Um, It was such a fun episode and I'm so glad that I was able to publish that one and then I had all these other ones that I lined up for my time away and when I came back I have all these other ideas that I wanted to also get out as on a podcast but life got the better of me because I started a new job and (laughs) I had put all my energy, I've been putting all my energy into it that I hadn't been paying attention to what I want to do personally as well. So I am getting back on track. I'm feeling more in flow and I feel better now that I am creating this value for you guys as well. And I'm just coming back to that now. So I really, really appreciate making this, being able to make this episode for you guys and for you guys to be able to, to listen to it. So the first lesson I think made a significant mind shift for me was the idea that we have a past, a present and future self. And we have to make the effort to heal and bond and strengthen that relationship between those three versions of ourself. I think where I find the challenge with this concept is that it's easy to, to see it as, okay, the past self is one person, my present self is here, and then my future self is over there. But I think they're all intertwined. And that's the lesson here is that your past contributes to your present self and your present self contributes to your future self. And your future self is the person or is the self that guides your present behaviors as well. And I think a lot of us can go through life not being aware that there is a relationship between their present self and their past self that they need to heal before they can feel you know, fully in their potential in their present life and going forward into the future. I think there is a disconnect sometimes where we feel like we are getting ahead, you know, and and doing all that we are meant to be doing in our present life. When in fact, we're just addressing the symptoms of pain we felt in the past by by busying ourselves with a project or with a new course or course, whatever it is, you know, that makes us feel like we're making progress, but we're really just addressing the symptoms versus the root cause. But when I thought of this concept, I thought, okay, like this is really good because I can focus so much on what I'm presently doing, but if I don't have a relationship with 
my future self in terms of my vision, then it's very hard to have a great motivational drive, you know, to do something, to build a business. And if I don't have a great relationship with my past self, then I'm always going to have, you know, anger or a frustration that comes up and gets triggered. And I'm going to fall into this old version of myself and get frustrated myself and then get self-judgmental or self-critical. So having this awareness of needing to strengthen the relationship between our past, our past, our present and future self has been very, very helpful. The second lesson I think struck a chord with me is the idea of intuition, creativity and meditation. And in my, one of my past episodes, I talk about a lady named Marisa Peer, uh, sorry, not Marisa, uh, Lisa Fletcher. And she gave a very short three minute, three minute introduction into this idea. And it's the idea that our brain is always trying to protect us. So our brain is already doing the automatic negative thinking. We call this ANTS, A-N-T. And so we don't have to put any effort <laughs> into thinking negatively. That's why it's so easy. That's why we're always like, oh, I'm thinking negatively. And we don't intentionally do it. It's just easy because it's automatic for our brain. Our brain is designed to protect us. So we're always going to think of the worst case scenario so that we can prepare, prepare for that. So we automatically think negative thoughts. And so we always have this critical mind that comes to the front of our mind all the time. When we get presented with a challenge or a project, there's automatic negative thinking. But then there's this other part of your brain that's curious, that's creative, that's loving, that's joy, that's colorful, that's just happy and exuberant. But we have to intentionally go there. We have to make a conscious effort to allow our brain to go there. And a lot of the answers that we already need comes from our intuition. And our intuition can only sort of come out when we get quiet. And getting quiet comes from spending time with ourselves, going into meditation and just getting quiet. I think what we typically do, what a lot of us do is actually just to try to find more information, more validation, more resources, more information that can get us the answer. And it's because that critical mind is always in front. It's always sort of clouding our judgment of what the situation is and that we need to find more information to get the answer. When in fact, it's just like, let's just sit with this. Let that critical mind be there, but consciously put in the effort to find your quiet mind. Because when you give your mind space, that's when ideas flow. That's when creativity flows. That's when excitement and extraordinary behavior is allowed to come out. You know, I did a, a training, a workshop, and one of the things the person said was that if you think of all the greatest inventions in the world, like Disneyland and Apple and Tesla, they did interviews, you know, with these big entrepreneurs and they found that these ideas, these massive inventions came from their dreams. And we so we have to allow ourselves to dream. We have to allow ourselves to have that space to just think wildly, think wild thoughts, think bold thoughts. But we don't because we let our negative mind take over and control and dictate what we do next, which is try to find more information. So having that 
lesson in my awareness now about intuition and creativity and meditation, I'm always, always trying to find myself in an intuitive state versus an ant state so that I can actually operate from intuition rather than filling my time with trying to find answers. The third lesson, I love this one so much because it's a great exercise that I want to do over and over again, like every month or something, is the lesson that happiness doesn't have, that the word happiness doesn't have a meaning. And what we all think that we're chasing actually comes from experience, growth, and contribution. I grew up with the societal idea and lesson that, you know, chase happiness and look for happiness. And, you know, if you do the things that make you happy, you'll you'll be happy, that kind of thing. So I think the, I guess, the majority of society, if I put it that way, for lack of a better term, they're looking for happiness, they're looking for ways to make them happy. But if you want to be happy, I say stop looking for it. I say think of the experiences you want to have. What experiences do you want to enjoy or will you enjoy? Think of the growth that you want to have. Think of who you want to grow into, who do you want to you know, become. And then how do you want to make a mark in this world? What do you want to contribute to people you love? What do you want to contribute to people you care about? Because research shows that the people who are the happiest, are the ones that experience the most, are the ones that grow the most, and the ones that feel like they are contributing. And this is so true when I learned about it, because I think back to when I was in high school or university, and I thought of the experiences I had, and I thought of all the different skills I went to pick up, all the exercises, like, you know, if it's golf, it's rock climbing, or it's painting, all the skills that I was trying to, I um, sort of went for helped me grow into a person and they were skills. So I'm always looking to pick up skills. And then the contribution part, I felt most happy when I felt valued. When someone told me, you know, you mean something to this company, you help our team grow, you help with this project. It's being told that you are an asset to someone or something. And I think that's such a great validation point for you to have in your life as an individual as a human being and that brings you so much happiness and so much joy and so much purpose in life so if you're out there thinking i'm gonna look for what's gonna make me happy this can give you a structure this can give you a starting point for what you've got to think about in order to have happiness as a side effect it's experience it's growth and contribution now, the, fir- the third lesson is pretty simple, yet pretty, oh my goodness, <laughs> because I think it's a big one that entrepreneurs uh, face as a challenge. Now, when, and this is for me too, like when we're sort of in the, uh, you know, midst of things and we're trying to build a business, we're trying to start something, we're trying to, you know, hustle. And I say that in speech bubbles, we're trying to create something, right? Which means we're always going to be in this field of uncertainty and things that we've never heard of or tried before or done before. You know, I've never done Facebook ads before. I've never sold anything online. I've never talked to an influencer. I've never been to an event. I've never spoken on the stage. Like 
all these new things. And so this lady who I mentioned before, Nima Marie Zapir, she's actually a very well-known speaker and transformative therapist for many people around the world, uh, including famous people. And she brought across this concept called, I'm making this familiar. Now, I don't think it's one of her programs or a concept she says, but it's the main takeaway that I noted when I listened to her. And here's the thing, here's the concept, and here's how you can use it. When you are encountering a a thing, a challenge, or a life situation, or a circumstance that you feel, you know, not confident, you have resistance to it, you don't feel, you, you don't feel that you can do it, or you feel fearful, you feel like you're not good enough, the phrase to start telling yourself is, I'm making this familiar. Because when something is unfamiliar, suddenly our ant comes in, our automatically negative thoughts come in, and it's telling us, you've never done this before, you suck at this, or you haven't, you know, you've never learned this before, so you're going to be crap at it, or no one's going to like you for it, you're going to be judged for it. And they're all made up scenarios in our head. They're all made up stories that we tell ourselves until it feels true. But it's, it's false because it's just we, we make up stories in our head because things are unfamiliar. But I think starting to tell yourself when you encounter something new and it may be fearful to say, I'm making this familiar. And it's the practice. It's the consistency. It's a showing up consistently. It's doing something consistently over and over and over again is when it starts to feel familiar to you. And then you start to feel confident about it. It's not so much getting good or getting expert at that skill, but it's more that you are showing up for that task or for that that uh, challenge you have every day that builds this reliance and trust with yourself that you you are doing it, and inevitably confidence. And that thing becomes familiar. So I think this has worked for me. I have started to try this and I actually didn't have too many of these, you know, fearful thoughts when I started things, but I definitely did like, you know, last year, I definitely had a lot of things last year, but it's a great concept to start integrating into your daily, your routine, whatever it is, anything that makes you feel a bit doubtful about yourself. It's just saying, Oh, I'm going to make this familiar. And that requires you to just show up every day. Just requires you to just be consistent with showing up and building reliance and trust with yourself and becoming familiar with it. Okay, guys, so these next four are kind of futuristic, but still very relevant to my greatest lessons because these are the ones that I'm most recently inputting and trying to integrate into my life. So the first one is, oh, there's my ball. Sorry, you might have heard that. (laughs) So the first one is becoming indistractable. Now, I'm doing a course in training right now about becoming indistractable, and I just learned that this concept of being indistractable is probably one of the greatest things that can propel us forward in life in all aspects because there are so many ways for us to become distracted now it's so so many ways for us to jump from one thing or another and it's so relevant for us as entrepreneurs when we're building in businesses and having shiny object syndrome because there's so much uncertainty so as soon as something feels 
dissatisfying or unachievable or, you know, no results are coming or it doesn't feel like we're getting anywhere, we'll jump to the next thing because there is a billion choices available. Now, I listened to something this morning that said, how can we focus on one thing long enough to flourish? And this has probably been the crux for us all because we don't, we can either know a little about a lot of things or we can become an expert at something, you know, one thing at a time. Because if you look, if I look over my past year of learning and trainings and whatnot, I know a little bit about a lot of things and I can't, I can't say that I know something really well. And if I think about my podcast now, like I had been consistent in doing these first 50 episodes, except this one, of course, um, but I had been consistent in just building this skill and being focused on building this skill. I hadn't been focused on how do I get to, how do I create my first business? How do you know, how do I make my first thousand dollars or first million dollars, whatever. I've just been focusing on building a skill and not dabbling in different directions. But there's also other aspects of my life where I would jump from one thing to another, to another, to another. And so I think becoming indistractable. And so this course teaches is that it is one of the greatest things that you can learn to have in a skill to be that can uphold and also elevate the relationships in your life, your sleep health, your diet, your relationships with your parents, everything. Becoming indistractable is such a valuable tool to have under your belt. Okay, this next one is routines. And I put down routines because guys, you know, I've been on vacation for, for three weeks. And I, when I left, I said to myself, you know what? From experience, going away, getting away and going on holiday and just unwinding and letting go of your responsibilities and physically actually leaving them by plane can help me just, you know, come back to ground zero and ground myself and feel at peace again. It's like when you hear people who go on yoga retreats, it's like, oh, this is to renew yourself and, you know, become aligned with yourself again and just come back and feel calm and in the flow and everything. That did not happen. I came back last week and I felt all over the place. I felt like I had been shattered in a way because I'd come back to this reality ready to sort of be like, okay, like I'm coming back to life and I'm going to get into it. First day, nada. Second day, nada. Third day, uh, fourth day, uh, and fifth day, I'm like, holy crap, I got to start, you know, start up my routines again, one at a time. I couldn't do them all at once. And today I'm going to tell you that I realized how many routines I have that keep me in peak state. And I can't even, I should have actually started listing them when I started to integrate them back into my life because I am still doing them. But, but I could tell you three today, for example. One is waking up at a certain time or within a certain time period every day. It gives my body a sense of normality and it also gives my body and brain knowing what time it is or what time of day that I need sleep or I need rest or I need to, to wake up to know that that's when I sort of start my day. It's a it's an element of stability that my mind and body needs to tie to. And being away, I had lost that stability completely. And coming back because I was so jet lagged for at least three days, you know, they say it takes you just as many hours as a time difference to come back to routine. 
And so, I mean, the time difference I had was 18 to 20, 18 to 20 hours. So, um, it's definitely taken more hours than that to get over it. Anyway, the point is guys, having that element of stability of my bodily clock was needed. Another routine is going through my affirmation slides and my deck in the morning. It gave me a sense of who I am, my purpose, and reminds me of what I'm here on this earth for, what makes me feel good, and also those positive aspects of my life that I purposely remind myself of so that I know I'm in a good place, that I know I'm in the right place, and to know that I am grateful and so fortunate to be where I am right now, even being able to record this podcast. Another routine is exercise. Now I pretty much do this habitually without thinking and it's just a ritual for me to exercise no matter what day it is, no matter what time it is, I will at least do some form of physical activity and outside movement every day. I don't schedule this because I just do it without thinking. It's so vital to me. And when I was traveling, I was moving a lot, but I wasn't actually exercising. For me, exercise is going out for a run. It's going for a swim. It's going climbing. It's doing a gym session. And I didn't have that routine. And so I felt very, very out of tune with my body when I was overseas. In that first three days, I felt it straight away. And coming back, I've had to start that routine again, that habit again. Even though I do it without thinking, I didn't have my stability. So... That is the sixth sort of lesson about routines. All right, coming into the last two. The second last one is called dread sprints. I learned this uh, activity or mode of being from Brooke Castillo. She talks about when we experience dread, when we experience fear, then we sort of put off that activity. And the longer we put it off, the more dreadful it becomes and the more dread, dissatisfaction, disappointment, and self-judgment becomes available the longer we put that off. However, the dopamine hit we get from actually completing that task and doing it is the same whether we do it right then and there or if we do it a day later, a week later, a year later, (laughs) that dopamine hit is the same. So why not experience that dopamine as soon as you can versus using up so much time of your life and experiencing the same dopamine hit. I say the, you know, so the quicker that we can address or do the thing, then you don't waste any time. And this has been a secret for her. She just does dread sprints. As soon as she feels like, oh, I don't want to do that. She'll just do it straight away. And so it almost eliminates and minimizes you feeling any fear or anxiety or stress or struggle or feeling behind. You don't experience that anymore. So I've made it a conscious effort in my head when I feel like something is going to be not so great or uh, fear inducing. I will just go and do that thing first. All right, guys, this last one is nice and fresh because I have just been able to see it uh, through my interactions in the last few days. And that is going in on one skill at a time. And what we tend to do is we, like I mentioned before, we dabble, we get shiny object syndrome and we get analysis paralysis. And that is only because there are so many options available to us and it's easy for us to jump and easy for us to have choice to jump when something isn't going well or results aren't being seen that you want yet. So it's easy for us to jump. Now I read an email to, uh, from one of my coaches, Ryan Wren, and it was a late, it was an email that he actually sent like last year. And I was just going through my inbox and I saw it. And 
I read it, I'm like, oh, that's, that's relevant. <laughs> and what it said basically is that we can be good at, we can be, you know, a little bit experienced in a lot of things, but we'll never be, you know, really good at an expert at anything if we didn't spend a long enough time in something in order to, for us to get skilled at that and flourished at that and an expert at that. So with everything that you're trying to build right now or the thing that you're trying to do for yourself, be in it long enough for you to feel like you've conquered that thing, to feel like you've gotten good at it. Like I've had to do podcasting, um, not for the audience building or the monetary thing. I haven't even tried to monetize this, this channel at all, but I'm doing it for the fun of it. I'm doing it for the skill of it. And now I feel like I've sort of plateaued a little bit in terms of learning the gadgets I need to actually do a podcast. Now my next step is to learn how to post on YouTube, learn how to automate it, learn how to edit faster. And that might involve hiring a team or hiring someone to do that. But there is a next level after I've learned to master the first stage of something, I want to learn the next stage of mastering that. So for me, going in on one skill or one going in on one thing long enough to feel like I have flourished or conquered or gotten good at something uh, is the greatest lesson for me. So there's eight of my greatest lesson, guys. I hope that it gave you some energy and insight and also gut feeling of what you want to work on and believe in in these next few months of your life and of your journey and of entrepreneurship. I would be really excited to hear about it. If you want to send me an email or comment or follow my Instagram, whatever it is, you can go to the link in the show notes. Um, it is currently my link tree, if you want to call it that. Um, I'm using beacons.ai, but it basically it's like a link tree and it has all the things that I offer um, in being able to help you. I'm also starting to launch my own first physical products brand called Guttastic as well. But I think the most important and most valuable thing that you can get from me is being on my newsletter list because that is where I send, I guess, more important information about behind the scenes stuff and also letting you be the first to know when I release something new or, you know, the challenges I'm personally going through as well, other than just being on this, this podcast. <laughs> Have an amazing day, guys. I'll speak to you next week.